sunshine for your light has come. You were speaking of something past tense accomplished, but it hadn't happened yet. Lord, we want to thank you that Luke starts to prophesy that those who sat in the darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the valley of the shadow of death, a great light has appeared. And Lord, we want to thank you for the light that appeared. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, and from this fullness we've received grace for grace. Lord, we want to thank you for this special day. Special day when the God who was distant, invisible, became God with us, Emmanuel. He became our Savior. And Lord, we want to thank you that He saved us from our sins saved us from the consequences of it, but not only that, He saved us into a glorious, new, wonderful, happy, peaceful, fulfilled, in union with Jesus' life. So Lord, Christmas is special, and Lord, we want to just celebrate that this morning in Jesus' name. We all agreed, said, Amen. Amen. Now I've got a short Christmas message for you. Christmas was not optional. If we look at the Word of God, Christmas was not an option. It wasn't that God just chose it and chose to send Jesus so that we could give each other presents, have a nice lunch, and have time together. It was much more than that. Amen. He had to come. It was the only way for our salvation. So he was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. He grew under his parents, increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He was perfectly obedient during his entire life, lived sinlessly in all of his life and ministry, all the way to the point of death, even the death of the cross, in order to do something very specific for Amen. us. Amen. So, if you go through the Bible, this is a bit of a lesson this morning, it's Christmas, it's fine, you're going to be full of beef and unbelief later. <laughs> but if you take a subject in the Bible and you go from Genesis to Revelation, that discipline is called systematic theology. If you take a book of the Bible, for example, or, for example, John's writings in the Gospels, in his Gospel and the three epistles, and you put together his theology, that is called biblical theology. So there's no time to do a systematic theology on the purpose for Christmas, and there is also not enough time to do a biblical theology. But I want to just pull a few points out from one of my favorite authors, John, first of all, because he's got an awesome name, and then secondly, because he's an awesome apostle, like someone else with that name. <laughs> so 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, I'm going to not read all of the verses for sake of time, but let's just pick up a few verses. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and it says, the See what great love... The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Yeah. And that is what we are. Just a comment. Comment is this. And the world kind of, you know, God is the Father of us all. There's a sense in which God is the Father of all humankind, but He's not really the Father. He's the God of all people. But He's the Father of us who believe. Is that okay? And so he's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the God and Father of all of those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so he didn't just come and say, hey, you're all children of God. The implication is we were not children of God, but because of something that happened and we believed it, now we are the children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, 
and what we will be has still not been made known. In other words, there's something more to come, and there's much more to our salvation than what we're experiencing now. And so he goes on to say, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're not seeing him as he is right now. Verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Now, I'm already giving you an indication of why was Jesus born. So let's just keep it simple. Let's not use the technical terms. Why did God become incarnate as man, and that man being Jesus Christ? So let's keep it simple. What was the reason for Christmas? John's given us the first clue. He says this, you know that he appeared. So when did he appear? When he was born. That he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. You know, this is such powerful theology. It's such a great study. But we can't go into all of it. So it establishes his purity. In him is no sin. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Now here it is. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. You know, the incredible thing is, from the moment of Jesus' birth, the fact was that it was God in flesh, he was still a baby, but just his entrance into the world as a newborn baby already began a spiritual warfare that ended at the cross, then the resurrection, and uh, that signaled the beginning of the end of the works of Satan. Just the birth of Jesus caused Satan to already begin falling from his position. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. And I'm only going to read then verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So now I just want to very quickly, the reason for Christmas according to John. So twice in these few verses that I read, twice he he tells us the reason for the Christmas story. And that is, first of all, that the eternal divine Son of God came into the world as a human being. And in verse 5 he says, you know that he appeared to take away sin and in him there is no sin. And the implication is it had to be someone who had no sin to take away our sins. So the sinlessness of Christ is affirmed. In him there's no sin. But the reason, the other reason for his coming is also affirmed in verse 8, the second part. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you might know this already, and it might be quite logical. But basically, if you put those two verses together, meld them together, weld them together, and basically the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, which is sin. And of course, that gives rise to other things. You know, where there's sickness, the proximity of the enemy is there. Because when a man fell, the principle of sin and death came into place, 
And the thing that followed death, obviously, or the cause of death, is sickness. So, you know, he might not be directly involved in our sickness, but that's the arena in which he operates. So John tells us that the works of the devil is the sin that the devil promotes. And so, you know, he tells us that in the first part of verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Now, it doesn't mean if you just blow it, you know, and uh, that somehow the devil has got a hold of you. But that is his terrain. But John tells us this, that whoever makes a practice of sinning is still of the devil because the devil's works are sin. But the good news is, good news is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil by paying the price ultimately with his blood so that by the cleansing of his blood, which he shed on the cross, our sin can be forgiven but not only that, the power of the principle of sin in us can be broken. The penalty of sin can be removed. So Christmas then became an essential thing for two reasons, and I'm going to give you that in a moment. So the basis for Christmas, it's very interesting if you take John's epistle here, 1 John 3, and you take John's gospel, and you take John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then also you jump across to Paul's writings. This is now systematic theology, not just uh, biblical theology. But in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, listen to what Paul says. Listen, it's really powerful. And um, I think I put this in the NIV. And it says this. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. I mean, that's loaded verse. I mean, that's, you could study weeks just on those two verses. But really, Paul's writings and John's writings, they make it quite plain that we are born again because of the love of God. Pure and simple. They don't go into the process. They don't go into all of the dynamics, but, you know, everything that it takes. But at the base, the bottom line, the foundation for our salvation is this, the great love of God. Amen. Amen? Because he loved us so greatly that the God is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we're dead in our transgressions. So he didn't even wait for us to love him. The Bible tells us even while we were sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us in this, you know, that he gave his son for us, that he came to die for us. And so the greatness of the love of God is magnified in that it's that love that gives spiritual life. So that's what the new birth means. We were born naturally into a world and into an environment, into a family. But uh, John shows us and other writers show us that when we were born again, we were born into a new kingdom, we're born into a new family, we're born under new principles, we were made alive into this realm in which we live. We could look at it, what was the reason, why, you know, did we need to be born again? You know, you could look backwards and see and say, well, you know, it's because we were sinful and sinners, and we were destined for judgment, and an eternity without God, we were mess-ups. But other way you could do this, you can look forward and say, well, why the necessity for us 
to be born again. Why the need for Christmas? Well, because we are recreated, we are made new, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we enter into the kingdom of God, we live for Him, and as John says, one day we will even be perfected instantaneously when He appears and we see Him. So you can look at it on the negative, which is all true, and you can look at it in the positive, which is equally all true. But at the bottom line is the love of God for us. Amen? So God made us His children. This is the new birth that He made us alive in Him. And so we won't go into some of the other stuff, but what I want to talk about is just two things. The amazing thing about Christmas is the reason for Jesus coming. So the first, why did Jesus have to come? The first one is this. And um, while I was studying this, I was tempted to kind of put this first, you know, before we got born again. But as I, I was reading John in particular, I started to realize that this particular attribute doesn't only come first before we get saved, it follows us getting saved and is extremely necessary. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, I'll tell you after we've read this verse. In 1 John chapter 5, remember we're just looking at the book of John, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So I'm going to say it like this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Ephesians 2, 8 tells us, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If we read Paul in Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. The faith is a gift from God. So I want to just say that faith was a gift from God that he gave to us before we got born again. Isn't that right? And so it's necessary to become born again. But there's another aspect in which the Holy Spirit, by the fact of Jesus' birth, gives us faith to continue believing so that we can come into everything that Christ has for us. Is that okay? So 1 John 5 verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So I like it, and I think it's John Stott also says this, faith is the sign that the new birth has happened. Isn't that awesome? The fact that you've got faith in God is an indication in itself that you are born again. And that faith is in Him. And so that's the aim of the new birth. Faith in Jesus Christ is the first evidence that it has happened. So let me repeat it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Faith is a sign that the new birth has happened. So, I mean, that's a big subject. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, that the just shall live by his faith. So you don't just need faith to enter in the kingdom. You need faith to continue in the kingdom. Amen? So faith and I'm going to just throw this in. It's not in the notes. This is for free. This is the hors d'oeuvres part, the pudding part of the message. Faith is so essential for us in our entire walk with God because everything post-born again is appropriated by faith. 
faith from first to last. So the second thing is, faith has an object, biblical faith. You know, in the world and Hollywood, they always talk about, you must just have faith as if it's an entity on its own, a commodity that's in isolation of God. But everywhere in the Bible, the Bible talks about, Jesus says, have the faith of God. Paul talks about in the fundamentals of our Christian walk, he talks about faith in God. And so it's really faith in God that is what is required. And more particularly, faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So faith needs an object. So let's go back and answer the first part of the question, was Christmas necessary? Yes, because we needed an object to which to attach faith. And that object is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In order to become like him. Second, second, the incarnation, the new birth, Christmas was necessary because the life we have through the new birth is also a life that is not independent of Christ. It's a life in union with him. Amen. So he had to come in order for us to be united with him. And it's because of Pastor Chris or Evangelist Chris Lindbergh messaged me yesterday and he said, uh, just a very quick question, Father John. He said, everybody's talking about the Nazaritic vow, you know, you know, that, for example, Samson and John the Baptist took and all this and the new anointing. And, you know, what's your take on that? Because the way I see it, he says, we don't need to do Nazaritic vows and all that kind of thing because of our union with Christ. Happy Christmas. Can you comment? <laughs> so I get a lot of those. And so, yes, it is our union with him. So he had to come. God couldn't just stand from heaven and say, all right, uh, if you believe, you can all be my children. We needed an object, and we needed an example, and we needed the power of a divine life in a human being to connect with. And so the second reason that Jesus came was so that we could live our lives in union with him. And as I come to a close, 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 and 12 says this, whoever believes in the Son of God, has this testimony in himself. Don't you just love it? What is the testimony? You've got a testimony. You've got a witness inside of you. What is the witness? And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And he's talking about not temporal, physical human life. He's talking about divine life, eternal life, where we live with him forever. And so we have this testimony. The new birth gives us life by bringing us into spiritual connection with Jesus Christ. So John 1, 14 and verse 16 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from his fullness have we all received grace Upon grace. That's the new birth. That's the new life. And when he came, we were able to have faith in him as the Son of God. We were united with him, union in life with him, and that is the new birth to have eternal life, to have the Son in us. And when that happens, then the reason that he appeared was to destroy the devil's works, which is sin. And so, 
your life, my life, is a testimony of the fact of Christmas in the sense that, in, and not only in a sense, in the reality that sin is being removed from our lives. Not only the penalty, but the presence and the power of sin is being removed. Amen. So, Father, we want to thank you that the Son of Man, the Son of God, was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Father, we want to thank you that you came to destroy the devil's works. Father, which means that we are no longer subject to the principle of sin and death, but Lord, we are subject to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, where there's no condemnation. We all agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Amen.